What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Oh, baby! What is up? Buffalo Fanatics, Z-Bot here with you, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Monday night, and that of course can only mean one thing, it is the smoke break, so good to have you in, April 10th, 17 clicks away. From the NFL draft, two weeks and three days until we find out what the Buffalo Bills and the rest of the 31 other teams in the NFL end up doing in this year's draft. And I'm starting to get very excited. It's this time of year where the draft rumors start to become more and more palpable. It goes from speculation to what seems to be reporters trying to get the word out. Nothing leaks on accident in this league, right? Now, it's the, it's the matter of figuring out what the motive is. Is something leaked to throw another team off? Or is something leaked to try to get the wheels turning on something? You never quite know. All you do know is it's never by accident. And we just found out this past week that we could potentially see some movement from the Buffalo Bills and GM Brandon Bean in the first round. If you joined me last week, we talked about a potential trade scenario that NFL Network had conjured up where they were speaking on the Bills potentially moving down to 20 with the Seattle Seahawks making a move that way. What we hear from Matt Miller is that the Bills could move up even further and that it's becoming more and more likely that that's something we could see from Buffalo in the first round. And if you were with me last week, I talked about how it had felt that I hadn't heard much about trading in this first round, but this just goes back to what I was just saying. As we get closer, you start to hear more and more about what could actually end up happening. And what do you know, within the last week here, we've been hearing more than we've heard in months about the potential for the Bills to make a move. Tonight, we'll take a look at what Matt Miller had to say about this potential trade and what that could mean for the Bills. If they do end up trading up, what would that entail? But more importantly, who are they going to get? Who's the guy Brandon Bean feels is worth trading up to get? And where will he have to go to get that guy? We'll talk about that tonight during the show. We will also talk about the breaking news that we found out in the middle of our Easter dinner yesterday. Odell Beckham Jr. To the Baltimore Ravens for an absurd amount of money. You've heard me pound the table on this show multiple times when it came to the potential for the Bills to get OBJ. I said, sign me up. I'm all in. 
But if they're considering giving him close to the $20 million asking price that apparently he's looking for, you can't count me out quicker. Baltimore was all over it. They didn't give him the full 20, but they came just about as close as anybody was going to get to giving OBJ the amount of money he was asking for. An absurd amount of money for OBJ to go to Baltimore in a current predicament or a current situation, a current landscape for Baltimore that is dicey to say the least. OBJ might not know who's throwing him the ball, but he did get his bag. Clearly, that was the motivation. Props to him and his agent. Wild scenario coming out of yesterday. OBJ to the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about that today. And then speaking of wide receivers, Bills are reportedly visiting with one of the top wide receiver candidates in this draft coming up here this week. We'll talk about maybe the potential of this trade scenario for these Bills resulting in going wide receiver. Will Brandon Bean go all in on getting Josh Allen, that extra weapon that we've all talked about him needing to be able to take this offense to the next level? If you look at last year, if you look at the final four teams remaining in both the NFC and the AFC, it was a clear distinction between what the Bills currently have weapon-wise and what those four teams have. It's even more distinct when you get to the championship game and see what Philly has on their side. You see what Kansas City, even though they might not be the biggest names in Kansas City after moving on from Tyreek Hill, adding additional pieces that might not seem as explosive or as prominent of a player as Tyreek Hill was, they did add. And with those guys, they wound up getting the job done. Ultimately, all that matters. So we'll be talking about all that and more tonight on the Smoke Break. Good to have you in off of Easter Sunday. Hope everybody who celebrates enjoyed their Easter. I actually went home to Rochester from Stanford for the Easter weekend. I just got home. I'm not getting it 20 minutes ago. The traffic, horrendous. So when you get to the New York City area coming into Connecticut, it is just stop and go. And then I don't know if you're like me but you'll you'll get stuck in traffic so then you'll you'll delegate your trip home to Waze the app Waze because apparently or not apparently um from my experience at least that app is much more accurate in getting you the quickest way home it'll avoid whatever you want tolls uh freeway wh- whatever so i go to the Waze app it thinks it's getting me a quicker way home i take the back roads home what does this thing do it, it takes me on the back roads and then puts me right back on the highway. And it probably added another 15 minutes. So I just made it in before the show started. Probably started the drive today from Rochester back here at 11 a.m. And what do we got now? 8 p.m. And I just got out of the car. Last I checked, by the way, Buffalo Sabres up. Oh, spoke too soon. Sabres were up 1-0 on the Rangers. The Rangers just tied it 1-1. I know the playoff chances are slim for Buffalo. Looked good against Carolina the other day. And like I mentioned on here, I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world, but nothing would make me happier than to be able to root on the Sabres in the playoffs coming up here. I know the chances are slim to none, but um, chances nonetheless. And I know as as diehard Bills fans, we know all about the the window or the, um, what do they call it? In the hunt, right? Sabres are still technically in the hunt 
I've watched a lot more hockey than I ever have since moving to Stanford because my girlfriend works long hours and there's not a whole lot of TV on right now because football is, you know, it's not on. The draft isn't here yet. So I've been watching a ton of hockey. I would love to be able to watch the Sabres, but I don't know. Not looking likely. Next year, though, I like the chances. I do. And like Chris is saying here, by the way, this is so accurate. Even if the Sabres did find a way in, if, if, if the Bruins were their fate, I don't even know if that's worth watching. Because the Bruins just yesterday on Easter broke the record for most wins in NHL history in the regular season. And that would be that would be a nightmare. That is probably the best hockey team or one of I've seen in my lifetime. So, of course, if the Sabres did get in, naturally, of course, they'd have to go against one of the best teams in recent memory in the NHL. So, typical Buffalo, I guess, right? Um, so, tonight, though, we're going to talk about this trade scenario because I find it very interesting that as we get closer to the draft, this is what's coming out. Last week, we saw this scenario potentially about the Bills trading with Seattle. Now, that was just Chad Reuter of NFL Network kind of giving his thoughts. But it was the first time that I had saw in writing or at least from a major publication Talk about the potential for the Bills to trade. Now, obviously, every team has the potential to trade. You never know what's going to happen. But this is the first time I had really seen it put on paper with a legitimate scenario um, where, you know, each team, it talks about what they're giving up, what they're gaining, and then how that all is executed. And to be honest, it was the first time that I think I really thought about the potential for the Bills to trade. And it's funny because even last year when the Bills moved up to get Kyrie Elam, I forget about the fact that they did move up to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't much. It was just, what was it, two, two spots, something like that. So it, it didn't really stick with me, the fact that they did wind up moving up to do that. Um, but we do know that that is something Bean will do, obviously, if there's a guy that he feels is worth moving up to get and a guy that he feels will be gone by the time their pick is up if he does not make that move. Now, we all have talked about this ad nauseum at this point, but I think it continues to be my main focus. What is the positional group that the Bills are going to be targeting in this first round? Because once again, another week removed from, my, from when I last saw you, nothing's really changed. There are so many different areas currently that you could make a legitimate argument for as to why the Bills should go after that specific positional group in the first round. Plenty of arguments on the defensive side of things. I've given you my thoughts there. Plenty of argument of course, on the offensive side of things. With both sides of the ball come multiple positions that you could make the argument for. But I have given you my thoughts, my thoughts being I feel like this is the year you go offense. It just feels that way. And it feels as though the more we hear about these potential trade rumors, the more it seems like they are being targeted towards going after an offensive player. At least that's what Matt Miller of ESPN thinks who had been the first reporter or insider to make it known this past week that the Bills are actively looking to make a trade in the first round. Now, let this be known, and if you don't know this already, this is just the way things go in the NFL and all sports leagues. There's always a motive for something getting out, right? But what that motive is is, is, what the, is what's up for debate. This could be put out there because... One, it could be legitimate, right? The Bills are looking to make a trade. Or two, Bean or whoever has this put out to make it seem as though the Bills are looking to move up, when in reality they're not, throw off everybody in front of them, try to shake things up. 
it's all a major mind game. We've been over this on here. Like if I, I've talked to you about my thoughts on Brandon Bean and all GMs, where I just think that it seems as though, as though in order to become a GM, you have to take a course in becoming a master of saying nothing while saying everything at the same time. You give a bunch of, you know, when, when you're being interviewed by the press or you're given a statement, you say a lot, but at the same time, all those words result in a lot of nothing. You also have to be a master in deception too. make it seem like you're doing one thing, move the other direction. We just saw this last week when we were talking about, or was it two weeks ago when we were talking about the uh, DeAndre Hopkins situation, Matt Perino interviewing Brandon Bean. And he had said bluntly, you know, he's, he's a, he's a Arizona Cardinal, right? Like if Brandon Bean an hour before talking to Matt Perino could have been on the phone with DeAndre Hopkins working a deal out for all we know, it wouldn't have made a difference. Or he could never have spoken to him once. You get the exact same answer every time. That's what a good GM does. He doesn't tip his hand. That's why I felt as though over the weekend when Boomer Esiason asked the general manager of the New York Jets what the situation surrounding Aaron Rodgers was, Boomer Esiason, I don't know what they they were at, some charity event or something. I'm not exactly sure the setting, but it was a – a public setting uh, where the uh, the GM of the Jets was there. Boomer Esiason was on the mic. Boomer Esiason comes right out and says, uh, you know, what's the, what's the deal with Aaron Rodgers? And the GM of the, of the Jets comes out and says, he'll be here. Now, we all are aware of the fact that that's more than likely going to happen. Aaron Rodgers himself has come out and said that, right? And everything you see now includes Aaron Rodgers with the Jets when they're talking about their Super Bowl odds, when you're talking about uh, the roster makeup of their team and what that entails. Every, I've even seen it go as far as ESPN and other major publications put out graphics where Aaron Rodgers is included with the Jets, but there's an asterisk on it, right? That's how, that's how far it's gotten. And it's hilarious because the more this happens, the more I want something to come in between this. I, I just, I would love it. It is pretty much 99.9% likely that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet. But I am still clinging on to that 0.001% chance it doesn't happen because that would be all time. All time. You don't usually hear a GM come out as bluntly as the Jets GM came out and said, he'll be here. Well, he's not here now, right? He's not here now. Now, of course, it's very likely he's going to be. But as of right now, he's not. And I'm holding out on something happening because that would be all-time Jets. It would also be all-time hilarious. Brandon Bean, not that type of guy, though. I just He doesn't strike me as somebody who would do that. And he also doesn't strike me as somebody who is careless with his words and careless in the way he operates. We have plenty of examples as to why we all essentially think that Brandon Bean holds himself to a very high standard. And I think he executes that in the way he operates uh, to a T. So coming into this draft, like we keep talking about plenty of different options all across the board, both on the defensive side and on the offensive side. A lot of arguments as of late coming out for the linebacker position because of the departure of Tremaine Edmonds makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we hear about the D-line. feels like we hear about the D-line every single year. And even though the Bills have definitely beefed up the line, including today re-signing Shaq Lawson, which was nice to see, it feels as though Shaq Lawson has truly played his best football with the Buffalo Bills. Good to see the Bills re-signing him today. But of course, 
with a Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott-led Buffalo Bills team, you can never rule out defense being at the front of their mind. We know that they have been trying to attack that at all costs over the last several seasons. And we know that the Bills' defensive line currently is better than it has been. But just like everything else that we've been discussing, including the the age uh, of Stephon Diggs and the longer he goes on, you, you constantly are trying to plan for things that currently aren't problems, right? So the Bills... And this goes for any team. You can never have too many defensive linemen. You can always make the argument for that. So those are two possibilities on the defensive side of things. I, of course, have spoken about my desire for an offensive lineman in the first round. That's on the table. Running back is still on the table. We went over it last week. Mel Kuyper's mock draft. He has the Bills taking B. John Robinson at 27. Not the way I would go. Not the way I think it's going to go. But it's still out there. And then wide receiver. Wide receiver is something that any casual Bills fan, even any casual NFL fan who just tunes into the Bills on a, on a periodic basis and then watches them compared to what the Eagles just, you know, put on display in the playoffs, what the San Francisco 49ers have on display, and even what the Chiefs were able to put on display with what felt like less than they had the year before, except it wasn't. You look at what the Bills have, and it's Stephon Diggs, right? It's Josh Allen. And then it's Gabriel Davis, who, like I have said numerous times, when he's on, he's on. I mean, when he's having a day, he's having like a record-breaking day, but there's just no consistency there. I think the expectation for Gabriel Davis was sky high last year. Did not hit what I think a lot of people were hoping it would, not to say it can't. But you also can't wait in the wings hoping that that just inevitably happens. You have got to continuously try and make it happen from the outside. And the Bills know that right now what they currently have for Josh Allen at his disposal is just not – it doesn't match up right now. There needs to be an additional guy added. And I've been on record saying I don't care if it's in the draft. I don't care if it's in free agency. As long as there's an additional guy – for Josh Allen to utilize coming into this year that takes the pressure off of not only him, but obviously Stephon Diggs and helps elevate this offense, I'm all for it. As we get closer to this draft, the more I'm starting to wonder if the reason we're hearing these trade-up rumors and the reason we're hearing it start to lean a little bit more towards the offense is because of the wide receiver position. The top wide receivers on this draft board will not be around at 27. And it makes you wonder, is that why we're hearing about the Bills trading up? It also makes you wonder, and obviously the Bills visit with a lot of different players, but over the last week, just this, these past few days, we've heard the rumors about the Bills trading up potentially in the draft. And now, just today, it came out that the Bills are set to visit with Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith-Najiba, who's considered to be either the first or second best wide receiver on this board. Plenty of arguments I've heard for him being, you know, it seems as though, uh, what, what is it, uh, Zay Flowers? He seems to be more more likely the consensus number one wide receiver. But I've seen uh, Najiba up there, and I've, I've yet to see him on a board where he's lower than three. Now, you look, you look at the landscape of the way the league is gone, and wide receivers are highly coveted, and the best ones are gone. Usually, you know, mid to late, teens in this draft you look at 27 one of these top guys is not going to fall to the bills at 27 
And if they were looking to trade up, you have to wonder, are you trading up because, you know, the OBJ sweepstakes is over, which I'm glad about. Had the Bills signed them for nine, 10 million. Okay. Yeah. Love it. But yeah, you feel good today knowing that the Bills aren't doing what the Baltimore Ravens just did. We don't know what the situation is with DeAndre Hopkins. All we know is that is much less likely of a scenario today than it felt like it was a couple of weeks ago. Hell, I haven't heard a word about it since. And that's hilarious because it felt inevitable three weeks ago. And I know we conjured that up ourselves. We did that to ourselves. We made DeAndre Hopkins to the Bills inevitable, even though it never seemed to be close. So it seems like, you know, OBJ's done. It seems like DeAndre Hopkins is done. Well, what's left on the table? Well, here comes the draft. And to me, this is becoming more and more likely. I I don't know the I don't know outside of the draft what the Bills do between the draft and the start of the season to heavily elevate this wide receiver room. It's just that's this this kind of seems like this is your last best shot. And I'm starting to hear these rumors about trading up. You look into the fact that these top wide receivers on this board are going to be gone by 27. You kind of put those two pieces together, and I'm starting to think more and more wide receiver in round one. It might be more likely than it was a month ago. Not to say it wasn't likely a month ago, because like we keep talking about, we don't know what's more likely than than the next thing. This seems to become, be becoming more and more likely to me. Let's take a look at where this all kind of started from. And that, of course, is from Matt Miller of ESPN. If you have not heard yet, he reported, uh, well, let's see, when, when, when was this? Uh, April 7th. So just three days ago, this came out from Matt Miller, who's tapped into the league um, and obviously works for ESPN, but he has been an insider for a while. He's a good follow on Twitter. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, in this article from ESPN+, Plus, uh, the question was posed, which teams are you hearing could trade up in round one? Now, I find it funny that before we even touch on the Bills, the other team and the only other team mentioned in this article is, of course, the team that the Bills have been competing to get past for the last X amount of years. The same team last year who traded up and got Trent McDuffie, and it makes you wonder how that affected what the Bills did in round one because as soon as the Chiefs made that move, Brandon Bean got on the phone and made a move of his own. So before we touch on what the Bills could potentially do, the other team mentioned in the same breath, is the Kansas City Chiefs. And in this article, it says, quote, I have my eye on the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw them trade up for cornerback Trent McDuffie, like I was just mentioning, last year from number 29 to number 21. And I could see general manager Brett Veach moving up again this year with 10 draft picks. Wow, I didn't even realize uh, the Chiefs had 10 draft picks. With 10 draft picks and a roster that doesn't have many open spots, it makes sense if the team sees an opportunity to land an impact player. Kansas City has holes at offensive tackle and edge rusher, two positions that are plentiful in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs move up from 31 into the early 20s for a top-tier prospect at one of those spots. That's interesting because you have to wonder if there's more and more of a likelihood that the Chiefs move up. You can't help but think that that affects the Bills and how they approach what they do just four uh, picks earlier or two picks earlier 
than what the Chiefs currently have. And if you're looking at what the Chiefs are talking about here, two positional groups that have been mentioned when it comes to the Bills, the defensive line and the offensive line. And if the Chiefs are looking to make a move towards one of those positions and move up, if the Bills are targeting either of those positions, how does that affect things? Well, there are the other team mentioned here as far as what teams could trade up in round one. So here's where the story came out from Matt Miller. Once again, here from ESPN, he says, quote, the Buffalo Bills are another AFC title contender with eyes on moving up based on what I've heard from sources around the league. The Bills will play the board and see who is falling. But with the number 27 selection, it's very possible. General manager Brandon Bean gets anxious and moves up for an interior offensive lineman or offensive skill player. Now, that to me, out of everything he says here, stands out the most. He goes on to say, that said, Buffalo has six total selections in this draft, so trading up very far wouldn't be possible without mortgaging future draft classes. There's a lot to unpack there. Now, when they talk about the Chiefs, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even realize the Chiefs have 10 draft picks. So that that makes a lot of sense. You have 10 draft picks without a whole lot to fill, why not package those together and get one guy that you're really eyeing and shell off a couple of those extra picks that you might not need? With the Bills only having six picks, Matt Miller's making the obvious point here. If you want to move up substantially, and when I say substantially from 27, you'd have to venture to believe if if substantially means getting into the into the teens, that's going to require future draft capital outside of this year. Um, the other key area that really sticks out to me in this small excerpt here are the two positional groups, both in which I think that I have aligned with the most since the season ended and you start looking towards the draft. I've been on record about offensive line. I've been on record about wide receiver. Sure enough, Matt Miller thinks that if Brandon Bean gets anxious, which I find interesting. If Brandon Bean gets anxious, he could move up for an offensive lineman or an offensive skill player. I don't think Matt Miller is pulling this out of thin air because I don't think that it's too, it's too close to the draft now. If I had to put any amount of money on it now, it's offense to me. That's where I'm at. I've been that way. The closer we get, the more I think that. I'm all in now on the fact that I think that the Bills are going offense. Where on offense is now what I'm starting to wonder the most. I'd be fine with either one of these. And I said this last week. I don't care what Brandon Bean does as far as moving up. If it's getting the guy that he 100% has, you know, is all in on. The guy that has a million circles around him on their board that they would be distraught leaving the first round without. I don't care what they do. Because I'd much rather make the move to go get that guy than to have them sit on their hands, settle for their second or third choice, and just have it not pan out. I've mentioned this on here several times, the analogy of a half measure and a full measure. It feels like there's been plenty of half measures made with these bills as of late to try to fill holes that have not been completely filled. And we saw that with the running back position numerous times. I finally felt as though this offseason – in pairing with last year and moving on from Devin Singletary, it does feel as though a full measure has finally been made. 
They went out and made that move on Damian Harris. They're finally going to be able to give James Cook a full year of experience. He really came on strong last year. Loved what I saw from James Cook. Loved the addition of Damian Harris to pair with James Cook because they're two different styles of running back. We have talked about the fact that the Bills were missing a bruiser-style running back that can run you over and get those short, necessary yards in crunch time in the in goal line scenario. They now have both the finesse running back and the aggressive running back. I think a full measure has finally been made in that department. But I would then go on to say that I feel the only way that you can get the most out of that positional group is by upgrading this offensive line, which we have been over. I mean, how many times do you have to talk about it? The offensive line was subpar at best last season, and we saw that translate into a handful of problems, including Josh Allen constantly being under pressure, Josh Allen constantly having to uh, put the team on his back and get out of the pocket and make something out of nothing happen. And then, of course, the ultimate lack of a run game where it just was never, it was never reliable and it was never something that defense, that the defense is ultimately feared outside of what Josh Allen and his running ability brought to the table. So offensive line, it just makes too much sense. And that's something that I think will be inevitable in this draft. Will it be round one? That's the question. But the, the other inevitable move that needs to be made at some point on offense is wide receiver. You cannot come into this year with Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Rangers just scored, by the way. You know, I, I'm not entirely sure how much that even matters, but I figured I'd say, I, I don't even know if the bill, I don't know what the deal is. The Sabres probably need like 10 different things to happen that won't happen, but whatever. I think losing tonight probably just puts a big X on it either way, but, um, but you can't go into this season the way things are stacking up. I mean, let's just say the OBJ thing happens. Let's, let's kind of pair these two things together right now because this is just one example. The OBJ thing happens for Baltimore yesterday. Paying him $15 million guaranteed with an additional $3 million in incentives is insane to me. I, I cannot understand it, especially when you do not, you do not have – your franchise quarterback in the good graces of the front office right now. You don't know if he's even going to play. I, I No one knows the status on what, what, what uh, surrounding Lamar Jackson. All you know is there is a major discrepancy in compensation for his play. And I don't know how great of a look it is, even though it's an added weapon, a much needed added weapon for this Baltimore Ravens passing game. How good of a look is it to give OBJ Wide receiver one type money off of two torn ACL injuries, not playing all of last season, missing 20 games over the last two seasons. How good of a look is it to shell out that amount of money for him? While Lamar's still sitting in the wing saying, hey, you're shelling out all this money for OBJ and we still can't get my deal taken care of. Now we've talked about the fact that there's blame on both sides, but it's still to me a very odd situation. But let's just say that this was the move that needed to be made to get Lamar in the good graces of the front office. At some point, he does come back next year. Okay. Let's just take a look at two teams that come off the top of my head that are automatically improved in the wide receiver department coming into this season that are in the AFC right. There's the perfect example. You have the Baltimore Ravens who now have Odell Beckham jr. 
But in addition to that, they also have great pieces outside of OBJ and one of the better tight ends in the league in Mark Andrews. You have Delvin Duvernay, right? You have Rashad Bateman coming back off of, off of his injury. He barely played towards the latter half of the season. They have multiple guys on that, on that wide receiver team that you don't think of because a lot of them were banged up last year. You also don't think about the passing attack when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens because it's usually a run-heavy offense. They have a pretty – when healthy, with the addition of Odell, if he stays healthy, you got to start taking a look at that wide receiver room for the Ravens and, and saying to yourself, man, that, that's, that's pretty damn good. Let's talk about the New York Jets. Infinitely better, right? Not only do you have the rookie of the year – at wide receiver, but you also add McCole Hardman and you also add Alan Lazard with the addition of Aaron Rodgers being the person throwing them the ball, not Zach Wilson. These teams are getting better and better. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Already unbelievably improved last year under Doug, uh, Doug Marone after the debacle with Urban Meyer. And they made additions that people didn't think were going to be going to be world changing. They ended up being very monumental. I mean, who would have thought Zay Jones would have been an impact player? Who would have thought Evan Ingram would have asserted himself into being one of the best tight ends in the league after leaving the Giants? In addition to all of those pieces, including a great run game, they also have Calvin Ridley coming back. Calvin Ridley, did I, Calvin Ridley, off of his suspension from the NFL. For gambling, did I say Doug Marone, by the way? I might have. I might have said that, by the way, instead of Doug Peter. I think I might have said Doug Marone, by the way. Good God. That is not the reason. That is not the reason the Jags are much better. Imagine Doug, uh, <laughs> Doug Peterson, my apologies. Um, but they also have Calvin Ridley coming into the equation. An improvement. So there are teams that are already currently set up, and there are also teams that are trying to get in the way of the Bills that are getting better and better and better. And if the Bills go into this into this year with their best improvement on offense being Damian Harris with no additions on the outside for Josh Allen to throw the ball to, with Stephon Diggs getting up there in age, knowing that the future, right? Stephon Diggs right now, it's still as good as it gets. But I'm talking about getting a guy that you can rely on going forward because you see how quickly things can change. You see how quickly things can rotate. Look how much different this offense was without Cole Beasley. Without John Brown. I know it didn't, I mean, Cole Beasley seems significant, but I don't think we, I don't think we really. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Understood the significance of losing him. Things come and go quickly. You've got to constantly reload the arsenal. The Kansas City Chiefs have done a phenomenal job of that. That's why it didn't seem like they lost the beat last year after losing Tyreek Hill. They made additions that didn't seem all that significant, but they were good enough to, to plug in and get and get going towards, the, towards the, the next step. The Bills have got to make a move. And the more, the more we get closer to the draft, the more you hear about the potential moves that could be made within the first round by these Buffalo Bills, the more wide receiver starts to make a lot of sense. And I think when you do look at the landscape of this team, and we talked about this last week, right? We talk about the window the Bills are currently in, which is closing faster than you want to admit. And you also look towards the next chapter of this organization in the future and what you're going to continue to build around with Josh Allen as we continue to evolve this team. As pieces leave, as pieces get older, what's going to be next up in the cannon reloaded to be able to keep this team as a top-tier contender in an AFC that just seems to get better every single year, and it's already a gauntlet. The draft starts to make more and more sense. You go and get a guy like OBJ like the Ravens did, and even if you got him for half the price, it's still a one-year rental. You go and get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you don't know how long that's for. You go and get a guy in the draft, especially a guy that you trade up for that you think is worthy of a first-round pick that can not only be a prominent wide receiver too this year behind Stephon Diggs, but can also evolve into a prominent wide receiver one when Stephon Diggs no longer can be that for you. That's when all these things start to make more and more sense, talking about getting a wide receiver in the draft. And we've seen it pan out for so many teams. We've seen it pan out for the Bengals. We've seen it pan out for the Vikings. We've seen it pan out for the Seattle Seahawks. We've seen it pan out for the New York Jets just last season. The Bills have yet to take that crack in the first round at a weapon for Josh Allen. I think this year's the year. You you start thinking about it, right? More and more. And I know that I, I think I personally had convinced myself just based on the verbiage and, you know, the ultimate approach of Brandon Bean, I think I had kind of convinced myself that skill position or, you know, they like to coin them as luxury picks. I kind of put those on the back burner in favor of the trenches guys, right? Because that just seems to be the MO of Brandon Bean. It's also something that he's repeatedly said. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to attack the weapon side of things before he feels as though the interior is where he wants it to be. On the same foot though, you also have to you also have to consider what you're going into this season with. And if the Bills go into this season 
with Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, and Gabe Davis. I mean, let's just let's just let's do a hypothetical here. As far as AFC teams and and their current and their current weaponry and how that and how that ultimately lines up with the Bills. So here you have a list of the AFC teams. We'll just go through. With OBJ now a, a, a healthy Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, Duvernay, a solid run game. It, advantage Ravens when it comes to weapons over the Buffalo Bills going into next season, if they stay healthy. This is all a matter of health, obviously. I'm talking about on paper with the assumption they're healthy. Advantage Baltimore. Houston, obviously, no. Denver, you could make the argument, right? You're getting your rookie running back uh, back from injury. You have solid pieces. It all depends on what Russell Wilson is going to be able to bring to the table, but you also have to take into consideration they have one of the best offensive minds to ever do it in Sean Payton uh, running the ship this coming season. I'd say they're more on par with the Bills than, than I would say extraordinarily above, but Denver has a solid core of offensive talent if Russell Wilson can get back to form. Cincinnati, it's a no-brainer. No, no question about it, an infinitely better weaponry unit than the, than the Buffalo Bills. That, that's not even close to a debate. The Miami Dolphins, yeah. I, I, is that even a debate? Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Gusecki. You have to remember, we're not talking about, I mean, I, I know I just mentioned it with Russell Wilson, but we know what Russell Wilson can be. But if you, even, if, if you just take away the quarterback situation, we're talking about simply weapons. I mean, think about what Josh Allen has been able to do with what seems to me at least a weaponry unit that is not loaded like some of these other teams have. I mean, could you imagine what the Bills would be with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, with Josh Allen? When you're thinking about what the Bills have as far as weapons are concerned, it's easy to try and justify it being better than it is because Josh Allen's the guy in, in, in taking the snaps. I'm talking about simply personnel surrounding Josh Allen. Dolphins better. Ravens better. Bengals better. Chiefs better. Jacksonville better. Raiders on par. I mean, Devontae Adams and, and, and Stephon Diggs right, right there. That's on par to me what the Raiders have and what the Bills have as far as weapons are concerned. The Jets, better. The Chargers went healthy, better. I mean, is it starting to, is it starting to become a little bit obvious? You're right, Gusecki is a pat. Now, I forget that, by the way. Oftentimes forget about the, uh, the, uh, the New England Patriots, which is funny to say. I feel like I constantly, it felt like they did nothing this offseason. And I just, it's, it's almost like I put in the, the Patriots out of my mind. It's so weird. I don't even think about them. It is the weirdest thing. Happens to me all the time. Never think about them. You, you, do, you do look at this landscape of AFC teams, though. And I just think it starts to become more and more clear. And now, of course, you could have your arguments all day about about which units you think are better and worse. That's fine. But there's arguments to be had, for sure. You can't argue that the Bills are a class above the majority of these teams, though. You just can't. You could argue maybe they're on the same level. You can't argue they're a class above. You really can't. 
You can, you can only argue they're a class above a couple of these teams here. And that's not including the fact that Josh Allen is the one throwing the ball. We're talking about simply personnel surrounding Josh Allen. It just feels as though this is the time. Because not only can you utilize it now, but you really got to start looking towards the future when it comes to who Josh Allen's going to be throwing the ball to in a few years. It's starting to make more and more sense to me that a move up, if, if it happens, should it happen, could be towards one of these wide receivers. But that's all, of course, going to be predicated on the ability to do it. What's that going to take? What's moving up in the draft to get that wide receiver that you're eyeing going to take? Now, I know I said I'm all in as far as doing what I think Brandon Bean feels is best for this team and getting the guy that he ultimately wants, but that's not to say you completely shell out uh, you know, a bag full of future picks or whatever in order to do it. It has to be within reason. Obviously, you might be able to uh, stretch a bit more than you would otherwise. It will be interesting to see if and when it happens what it is going to take to be able to pull it off. I also wonder what I'd be comfortable with in doing. But I guess it also depends on the way the, the, way the board moves and who's available I feel like we won't really know until we hit about, you know, pick 12, 13, the way that the wide receiver board's moving, what's going to be in play. Um, All I know is, though, the more I hear about trades, the more I look at the landscape of this team, the more I look at the landscape of other teams, the more it seems as though weapon, first round, should that be wide receiver? Or, hey, should that be B. John Robinson like Mel Kuyper's thinking? It seems the Bills need another piece in this draft because I don't know where else it's going to be coming from. Now, speaking of wide receivers in this draft class and teams that or players that the Bills are interested in, one of which, as I mentioned earlier, is Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith-Najiba, who the Bills are set to visit with. This just came out about five hours ago, this one via uh, Sports Illustrated where it says, quote, the Bills are looking to find out more about arguably the best receiver in the 2023 NFL draft class. Now, this is where things get interesting because we're talking about not only the possibility of this happening, but of course the desire for it to happen. But if you're going to go up and get a top guy, that's what really gets the, the gears going in my mind about thinking what that would take. And it makes you wonder what Brandon Bean thinks of one of these guys, whether it be Najiba, Flowers, whoever, how high they are on one of these guys and ultimately what they're willing to do in order to get them. It's a very, very interesting draft this year because they could go a lot of different directions and there's also directions they could go to that could really be home runs, but it depends on what they got to do in order to swing that bat to get it over the fence. And as you can see here, and as I talked about earlier, it is without a shadow of a doubt that Najiba, the one of the one of the wide receivers here the Bills are set to visit with, is considered to be one of, if not the best wide receiver in this draft class. But per reports from NFL Network today, Buffalo is scheduled to meet with Ohio State Buckeyes receiver Jackson Smith Najiba. He's already had a top 30 visit with the Atlanta Falcons and is also scheduled for meetings with the Dallas Cowboys, Baltimore Ravens, and Houston Texans. Najiba will likely need to drop a tad below where some of his projections have been at this season to slide to the Bills at 27. 
But if he's still on the board at that spot, it wouldn't surprise to see a Buffalo uh, to see Buffalo take a swing. So I don't think he falls to 27. I mean, I just don't think that happens. But I wonder what he'd have to slide to in order for the Bills to make that move. Let's take a look at some comments here. Saw a few super chats that I'll get to. I want to make sure I get to the top here. Let's take a look. In the comments, by the way, let me know what your thoughts are on a trade. Are you willing to trade? And if you are, do you want it to be for a wide receiver? Do you want it to be for something else? And how much are you willing to give up? How high are you willing to move up in order to get what you think would be the best piece for these Buffalo Bills? James coming in, my main man with the super chat. He's saying, Zeba, it's a weak wide receiver draft. This is not the year. Deep tight ends, though, could Dorsey scheme a two tight end system? This is the idea that Rev had a couple of weeks ago when I had him on. It's possible. Ultimately, what I'm getting at, wide receiver is just one example. I just said maybe, you know, the, maybe this this splash move is is uh is uh running back. Maybe this splash move is tight end. Maybe this splash move is wide receiver. I understand it's a weaker wide receiver draft, but the top of this wide receiver class is considered to be pretty damn good. It's just not as deep as it's been. The Bills would have to move in order to be able to get one. That seems all but inevitable. Um, And that's where my mind starts to go to. It starts to go more towards wide receiver when you talk about trade. Because they're not falling to 27. A tight end could fall to 27 that you're that you're interested in. Uh, running back, Bijan Robinson, he could fall to 27. That's a possibility. I don't think these top wide receivers, and you're right, it's not, it's it, it is a weaker wide receiver draft class compared to what we've seen in years past. The top, though, it's talented, but it's not falling to 27. And there's a reason for that because it is weak. You can't wait around and get a steal in this draft like you could before. You're going to have to move up in order to get a top guy. So that's why when I hear trade, I think that that's more of a possibility than perhaps some of the other positions. The two tight end scheme is interesting to me because it's it could be a possibility. I just wonder with Dorsey in his second year, after a year that was pretty shaky last year in a lot of people's opinion, do you want to completely switch up the way you approach this offense this year? Potentially. You know, you've heard both Bean and McDermott talk about you know, they've both been in unison this offseason and speaking on how they do want to run this offense differently this season in order to protect Josh Allen more than they have in the past. Could that be alluding to something completely different, which could be a two tight end set? Potentially. And I'm not an advocate of one way or the other, because frankly, man, I just I got to tell you, I, I don't. I'm just one of those guys who does. I don't care how it happens. I just want it to happen. I could give a damn. You know, I'm not sitting here pounding the table for a wide receiver. I'm not sitting here pounding the table for really any positional group. I'm just pounding the table for being to get the guy that's going to make the biggest difference. If that's on the offensive line, awesome. I'm all for that. The one thing I am pounding the table on, though, is the fact that the Bills going into this season with the same weaponry unit uh, outside of the addition of Damian Harris, I am pounding the table on the fact that I just don't think that's good enough. When I see all these other teams and what they currently have at their disposal coming into this season, all the additions that a lot of these AFC teams have made, I don't think it's good enough. I mean, you don't even need to look any farther than your own division. 
You got two of the best weaponry units currently right now in Miami and in New York, which is insane to say. But after this offseason, I mean, try to make the argument against it. The, the, the Jets are loaded, man. The Jets are loaded up. I mean, it doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound right. But it is the God's honest truth. You don't even need to look at the Baltimore Ravens or the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Chiefs. Just look in your own division. Because four of your six games are going to entail two teams right now that have two of the better weaponries in all of the AFC. I just don't think the Bills at this current juncture have one of those weaponry units that you look at in comparison to the other teams in this league, specifically the AFC. And like I said, right down to your own division, I don't think that, I, I just don't think that they're as good. And the Bills have the talent and obviously the quarterback in order to be still the one of the best teams in the league, still at the top of the AFC, and of course still winning the division. But it's not going to be as easy. Scrolling up through here, getting some thoughts. By the way, like I said, share your thoughts on what you think is the best move in this first round because I still think even though we do hear about, see, this is an interesting one. Kim's saying, I mean, you want to talk about out of left field, something I haven't heard of at all. Kim's coming in here saying trade down for more picks. That I don't see. But here's where I'm an advocate of that. It, you get to 20, say, you know, because I don't think Bean just makes a trade up. I know, and that's why the word anxious in Matt Miller's bit there, you know, it really stood out to me because it just doesn't seem like a move. It doesn't seem like a style or an approach that we would expect from Brandon Bean. The, say in this, say in this draft, the, the, the option to trade up just doesn't work out. You know, there, there was, a, there was a, a thought to do it if the board fell the right way and it doesn't. So, it, you know, that's off the table. The top wide receivers, gone. Maybe you're thinking about B. John Robinson. If he fell to 27, he's gone. If you get to 27 and you feel as though there's a guy of equal value at offensive line, uh, at linebacker, if you feel there's a guy of equal value, in the early second round, I'm, I'm all about trading back. Because I'd, I'd much rather trade back and get a guy that Bean feels is equal value than, than exhausting that first round pick on a guy that you could have probably got equal talent out of in the second round. So that's where I'm for it. But I think the board has to fall a very certain way in order for that to happen. I think the more we hear about the Bills trading up, however, the more likely I feel it's uh, less likely that the Bills would trade down. But once again, it's all about how these things fall. If the Bills had all the intention in the world to trade up and either somebody jumps them or the receivers go way quicker than anticipated, you never know. And that's the beauty of the draft. I don't know. You don't know. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for us and 31 other fan bases, a lot of times these guys don't even know. So that's the craziness of the draft. It's almost like all 32 teams get together on a weekend in April and they just have a gigantic seven-round game of roulette where each team gets a spin and you're hoping each round, each one, each spin you have lands on a, on a winner. That's what this is. 
You know, that's really what it all comes down to. And that's what's the fun part about it. It's also what's the very frustrating part about it. Taking a look. uh, I'm looking at here. Still 2-1 Rangers, by the way. That's the interesting part of this whole scenario. That's what always has interested me about the draft is that, you know, you got all these guys who are, this is their job. And even then, it's still just so much of a gamble, all of it. I mean, you look at the Bills' offense right now. Is there even a, is there even a first-round pick other than Josh Allen? As far as weapons are concerned, there isn't. There isn't one. There isn't a first-round draft pick. And some of these guys who wind up being absolute, I mean, Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round draft pick. So that's the craziness in all of this, and you really, truly never know. But it's a, it's a, it's a spin of the dice. The only way that you can up your chances on that, on that spin, is doing your best to attack the positions that you clearly, you know, need to address. And I just think I'm in the camp this year when it comes to this team, when it comes to the first round specifically, offense just makes the most sense to me. See, Scott, this is a, this is this is an interesting example too here. Just to, just to go to show you how much with Josh Allen, you know, gets covered up a lot of the time. You imagine, think about what Brock Purdy, the, the tandem really. I mean, the the literal by committee quarterback room that San Francisco had rolling this year until it just completely disintegrated in the playoffs and they were down to their punter essentially. Um, think about how good that offense was without even needing a top 15 quarterback, right? That's how much your personnel matters. And that's how much Josh Allen has covered up because when you look at the, the talent on the San Francisco 49ers offense, in addition to their offensive line, you have one of the best tight ends in the league. You have the best running back in the league. You have one of, if not the best gadget guy in the league in Debo Samuel, you have a top wide receiver in Brandon Ayuk. I mean, it's incredible that you look at that personnel and how just that alone with pretty average quarterback play can easily be one of the best teams in the NFL. Where on the other end of things, you look at what the Bills have and they have one of those guys, one top caliber guy with one of the best quarterbacks in the league and they're essentially on the same playing field as far as outcome is concerned. And you're starting to look at other teams in the AFC who are building more and more units that are more resembling of what the Niners have than what the Bills really have. Most of these teams now that are really getting it done at the top level have at least two top guys, at least. I mean, if we take a look at, let's let's take a look at the, uh, the Super Bowl is a, a perfect example, right? Eagles and Eagles are just absolutely loaded. The Niners are absolutely loaded. Um, the 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 Bengals absolutely loaded. The teams that wound up moving on past the divisional round, they're they're just loaded up. And in addition to that personnel group, 
outside of the 49ers, in addition to the to that personnel group, they also all have great quarterbacks. So it just feels like right now, where Josh Allen's at in his career, where all these other quarterbacks are at in their career, because it's very similar. Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, all within that younger realm. It just seems as though in order to be able to get the most out of what all those other teams are doing, to get the most out of what Josh Allen has got going on in that same exact type of time slot with the same amount of talent, roughly, uh, as far as competitiveness is concerned, in order to get onto that next tier, it just feels like there needs to be one more guy. I mean, you could argue the Chiefs have more than than two guys. You could definitely argue the Bengals have more than two guys. The, the Eagles, for example, definitely have more than two guys. Um, it just makes sense. And I know I saw earlier uh, we, we were talking about uh, with weapons and, and wide receiver, how this year is not the year because of the depth of it. Well, you also have to consider this too. And I, I understand, you know, you, you you could get into a situation like next year, maybe where it's, it's, it's deeper and you can still be picking late twenties and get a top wide receiver. There's a couple of things that go into that though, right? One, do you want to continuously wait towards the latter end of the first round or later on in the draft in totality to get your next true wide receiver one, future wide receiver one, solidified wide receiver two? Two, are you ever going, like Brandon Bean said about the Bengals, are you ever going to be bad enough to not have to move up and be in a spot to be able to get one of these best, uh, these top wide receivers. That's that's the last thing we want. It's the last thing we want. So even though it might not seem like the year to do it because of the the shallowness of the amount of top wide receivers, at the same time, think about it. If the Bills, if we want to maintain this amount of success, if the Bills do want to get one of these top wide receivers, they're going to have to move up anyways whether it's this year or next year. Cuz I don't know if I don't know if you're going to want to just wait in the wait back and get one of these guys later on in the draft hoping it pans out. That's one option or two. It's trading up and it doesn't matter if you do it this year or next year. You got you, you really got to consider the fact that if you're going to get one of these guys in the draft, it's going to have to be earlier than later. That's the that's the first world problem of a top NFL team. It's getting more and more interesting. It really is. I find, I, I just find it, I find it, um, I find it telling that in this piece from Matt Miller and discussing the trading, it has no mentions of a defensive player. Not to say that that's out of the realm of possibilities, but think about it like this. Do, do you really think the Bills trade up for defense? It doesn't sound right. It just seems like you have the team currently and the quarterback currently where you, if you're going to move up, it's got to be offense. It just makes too much sense. I don't see how you could justify moving up for defense and then subsequently going into the season without adding a solidified additional person outside of Stephon Diggs for this offense to go uh, to go into the season with. 
Now, I understand they traded up for Edmonds. Different time, though, right? Different time. And and Dan's coming in here saying, so you honestly think there's a stud wide receiver to trade up for this year? Yeah, I do. And when you're asking, is it a Chase or Jefferson type? Justin Jefferson wasn't even considered to be the top wide receiver. Prosper. He wasn't considered to be, as are a lot of these guys. are now. Now, Jamar Chase was. That's why the Bengals were able to get him when they did, and they got him when they did. One, he was teammates with LSU uh, with Joe Burrow at LSU. There was a lot of influence there. Two, they were in a position to be able to do it, right? Because Joe Burrow was injured the, the entire year. They had a terrible record, and they were able to maximize on that and get Jamar Chase. Um, and then with guys like Justin Jefferson, whoever winds up panning out, DK Metcalf is, a, is, is one uh, throughout uh, uh, the realm of the last few seasons where there was always something you nitpicked about. And I think with DK Metcalf, it was his route running ability. He was too big or whatever with Devontae Smith, right? He was too small. How would his size wind up hanging up? There's always going to be something. And you're never going to know for sure if he's going to be the next Jamar Chase or the next uh, Justin Jefferson. But neither do any of these other teams when they do it. I mean, sometimes it's, it's a sure thing or it seems like a sure thing. Jamar Chase definitely seemed like a sure thing. And there was also a plenty of influence there from the LSU connection with Joe Burrow. You never know for sure. All I know is your odds and your chances of getting a guy that's more like those two or other top wide receivers is getting what who is considered to be one of the top guys in the draft. It's incredibly, incredibly interesting. And the more we, the more we talk about um, what could potentially happen, the more I'm starting to get really excited. I, like I say on here all the time, I'm not the biggest draft guy in the world just because of the uncertainty of it. Like it's so tough for me to get my head wrapped around buying all into the draft process and doing all these mock drafts and all these like all this prospecting. When one, you really have no idea who's going to hit and who doesn't. Two, you really have no idea what positional group it's even being narrowed down to. Just, I mean, I, I do understand. I do understand people's love for it because it is fun, but to me, it's just, it's frustrating trying to wrap your head around it because I I look at it and I'm like, half the time these guys who make millions to do it, they can't even hit on it, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the hell? How the hell am I supposed to figure it out? But what does get me excited about, especially this time of year, is, is, is situations the Bills are currently in where I just, I just, I'm starting to get leans, you know, here and there. But I am pretty much in the camp right now of having no clue where they're going to go and how they're going to go there. And that's what's getting me super excited about it. I'm also starting to think more and more. As I start thinking more about the draft, I'm starting to think more about the future, too. I mean, I am thinking about the current moment, what the Bills currently have that they need to try to maximize on now because it's not going to be around forever. Obviously, that's that's front of mind. But I am starting to think a lot more about the future of this team, too. And that's where I, I do lean towards wide receiver when I think about things, or I do lean towards uh, the offensive line when I think about things because I, I am starting to think more about the, the team going forward because I think a lot of the time and rightfully so because this is the way things have been with the Bills they've been trying to maximize on the team and the talent they have right now you know while they were under Josh Allen's rookie contract while they were currently in what quote-unquote Super Bowl window we've been conditioned to think pretty much only about that but as I've talked about that window is rapidly closing and the next chapter is about to be opened up on this team at some point 
And that's where my mind starts to go towards finding a guy that is going to be able to contribute now, but also have the ability to be mentored into being the next guy, whatever positional group that ends up being. So that's what's getting me super excited about this. Because I think that whatever they wind up doing here in round one is going to wind up being a pivotal piece of this team moving beyond this Super Bowl window. So who is that going to be? And ultimately, how does that end up impacting the Bills currently as well? That's where my excitement stems from. And I can't believe we're almost only two weeks away from it. But I'm starting to get really, really excited. All right. Hour in the books. And it was a lot of fun. Went quick tonight. Um, Next week, we're right back at it. And by then, we'll only be just about a week out. Got to talk to the fellas, but the goal, I'm sure, and the hope is that we do a whole big draft night again. That was so much fun last year. We had the whole squad out here. We did the whole first round together. That was a blast. That was the origin of the Arby's commercial, if you remember. They're just playing that thing nonstop. I'm sure this year, I'm sure this year, it'll be the Burger King commercial nonstop. I don't know. All I do know is I got to talk to the fellas because we need to get that locked down because I'm stoked to be able to bring the draft to you guys right here on the BF channel with the rest of the fellas because that's always a blast. And then we get to find out together about all these things we're talking about. What are the Bills going to end up doing? Ah, it's exciting stuff. Finally, you know, an actual gigantic football event to dive right into because I cannot watch baseball. I just can't do it. Now that March Madness is over, I need this. Almost two weeks. Hold on tight. 17 days. I'll be back with you seven days from now right here on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on the Smoke Break Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern next week. I will see you then. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, go Bills. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.